HSBC Business Editions Minat. I'm Hayley Ford, the Regional Head of B2B Marketing in the Middle East for HSBC. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by Stephen King, our Senior Economic Advisor to HSBC Group, and Professor Greg Clark, Head of Future Cities and New Industries at HSBC. Um, with that, I will hand over to Stephen King, who's joining us from London. Well, thanks very much, Haley. I'm going to talk about um, some longer-term themes. How will the world change as a consequence of COVID-19? And, and one thing that may well emerge from all this is the sense that there needs to be a new uh, social contract, that um, the fact that people recognize the importance of health workers, health care workers, key workers in supermarkets and delivery stores and so on, may well imply the emergence of a new social contract. And there's also the uh, a sense, perhaps, that countries have become overly reliant on sometimes fragile global supply chains and that perhaps we need to bring some of the production back home. And the other impact, which, of course, is directly relevant for uh, the Gulf and the Middle East more generally, um, is the potential reduction in economic migration. And that, in turn, means that uh, remittances paid back to the Indian subcontinent or the Philippines maybe lower in the future than might have been the case um, in the past. The, the next issue is scarring. Uh, this is a term that economists have been using quite a lot recently. Um, to what extent can we reasonably expect a return to the kind of economic path we would have been on in the absence of COVID-19? And to what extent might there be a shortfall? And increasingly, uh, when you look at uh, forecasts, whether it's from HSBC, whether it's from the IMF or from the Peterson Institute, you get roughly the same kind of result in all of them, which is that all countries have some degree of scarring. They do not return to conditions as they were before COVID-19. So there are permanent losses associated uh, with the pandemic. My final comments are related to technology. We often think of technology as a force for bringing countries together, for spreading globalization, for spreading capital to countries where labor is relatively cheap. And that's certainly been the story for the last 30 or 40 years. But technology can also be used for other purposes. And I think we're going to see a greater focus in the future on reshoring uh, through robotics and AI. Because if countries are more worried about their global supply chains and they can afford to bring investment home and they discover that robots can do jobs even more cheaply and effectively than cheap labor somewhere else in the world, I think we'll see more of this reshoring occurring which may be useful for those parts of the world with relatively deep financial pockets. It may also be extremely damaging for those parts of the world that have yet to be properly um, incorporated into a globalization story. So again, emerging markets are vulnerable on that score. Uh, one final thought, oil, um, which is obviously relevant for the region I'm communicating with at the moment. I think it's fair to say that aviation will not go back to where it was previously. Uh, that uh, car transport will probably not go back to where it was previously. Levels of economic activity will be uh, lower in a lot of different areas, and that means that oil prices probably are permanently lower. So basically that's it. There are internal consequences, there are external consequences, there's scarring, there's debt, there's technology, and all of that, I think, points to a world which is less globalized, which is more focused on the nation-state, uh, which is more focused on protecting each country from dangers coming from outside, and which is a world that's incredibly uncertain and difficult until and unless uh, we have 
a widespread application of an effective vaccine. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. So Stephen talked quite a lot about the supply chain and the flows of trade changes that may occur here. Of course, as we try to make supply chains more resilient and we try to diversify the routes of trade and increase uh, the number of options that companies and governments have to procure supplies of various kinds through different systems that may be more immune and resilient, this provides multiple opportunities for local and regional economies to diversify their sector mix, to increase the range of jobs that they have, to more fully utilize the skills base that they have in their populations, and potentially, therefore, to create more diversified, more resilient economies uh, at the local level. So this is a major theme for many cities and regions moving forward. The second theme of digital transformation and the servicization of the economy or the as-a-service model, of course, provides opportunities uh, in cities, not just, as it were, the challenge and the shock of will we go back to our retail, how will we use our offices, will our stadia ever be full again? These are justifiable questions, but it also provides opportunity so that suburban or, or peri-urban centers can emerge, providing opportunities for people to continue to work to learn, to study, or to receive medical care, but not necessarily by going to the city center in the same way that they used to. A third big theme, of course, is the health and wellness agenda. This obviously provides opportunities uh, for cities and for localities to think more about where clinics are sited, uh, how doctors and, and other uh, medical professionals become available, and what can be done at the local and community level to increase health and well-being, particularly by taking up healthy lifestyles, active travel, uh, the growth of, of walking, cycling, uh, and other uh, kinds of uh, transport modes. Um, a fourth big theme, of course, is the, the recognition that the climate change has been uh, properly understood to be about planetary health and the strong relationship between planetary health and human health, particularly through uh, the animal kingdom and our food supply systems, are a kind of lasting message from the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Investment in, in agri-tech systems that produce food in environments that might previously have been considered uh, unconducive is very much on the rise. And this theme of reorganizing our food supply so that it is diversified and relocalized and we take advantage of the places and spaces that our cities and regions provide to produce food it is a key strategy alongside a renewed commitment more broadly to decarbonization and sustainable economies. Clearly one of the challenges that we face moving forward is the whole question of density, the utilization of large office blocks, stadia, universities, uh, shopping malls, other kinds of facilities where people gather together. But it's quite likely that in just the same way that we'll seek to diversify our supply chains and our trade linkages, there'll be some desire to diversify uh, the buildings that we use in our cities and to think about how we can distribute our urban concentrations much more. So this leads to a very big debate. Will we find a way to risk assure the concentrated city so that people can go back to it? 
Or will we decide to embrace the unbundling of the city, where in a sense we try to take the parts of the city away, uh, turn them into a virtual realm, digitize everything, and eventually produce a system where we don't have such urban concentrations? You might want to call it the blended city. Where does that leave us? It leaves us perhaps with having secondary and third centers within cities in becoming mini clusters of activities, a bit like mini CBDs. It leaves us with a, a wider range of transport choices where we don't just choose to jump back in our cars, which would be bad for human health, and at the same time we recognize that we need other systems to supplement our public transport. It probably leads not just to our big cities uh, doing well, but our second and third tier cities playing more of a role in how our economies and orga are organized and managed, and this is good for national policies of distributing economic activity uh, across a whole national space rather than concentrating it in one or two cities. So how quickly we get to the blended city that has, as it were, a spatial uh, set of networks and concentrations to it, but also enjoys this digital life that's been accelerated by COVID-19 is difficult to speculate. But I suspect that by the time we get to the end of the cycle that we're now in, we'll begin to see different versions of the blended city emerge in all of the countries of the world, and of course, in the Middle East and in the UAE. Thank you, Greg. Listen out to the next episode of HSBC Business Editions.